Well, today we're going to continue our series called In Times Like These. Now, our foundational scripture for this series is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 12, which says this. It says, so take a new grip. Say new grip. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. I believe that this is good admonition for times like these. In the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about what it will take for us to be overcomers in times like these. How many of you want to be an overcomer in these days and in these times? I'm going to begin today by saying it will take uncommon faith. If we're going to overcome in times like these, it will demand that we have uncommon faith. A dormant faith will not cut it. Doubting faith won't cut it. Dying faith will not cut it. I believe that it's going to take uncommon faith to overcome in times like these. I want to begin talking about faith today. And I, you know, there's so much that we could say about faith. It could be a series in and of itself. But but I want to give you five things that we need to know about faith. I want to begin this morning with the explanation of faith. The explanation of faith. The writer of Hebrews gives us an explanation or a definition of faith. It's found in chapter 11 and verse number 1. The New Living Translation renders it this way. Faith is the confidence. Say confidence. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I believe another way to say this is faith is confident hope. Would you agree? Faith is confident hope. Let me ask you, do you have faith today? I see some head nods. I don't hear it. Do you have faith today? Not a trick question. Do you have confident hope? Let me make two statements right here about faith as we are trying to define it. Let me say this this morning. I believe this With all of my heart, faith is releasing our problems and placing them in the hands of Jesus. Releasing our problems and placing them in the hands of Jesus. I love what Paul writes in Philippians chapter number four, verses six and seven. Paul writes and he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, say then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we could ever understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't you love that? Here's what I've discovered. It's one thing to reach out to God in prayer. It's quite another to release our problems into his hands. See, see, true faith not only releases, it also, or true faith not only reaches, it also releases. Second thing I'd like to say about faith right here, and that is faith is resting in God's promises. Resting in God's promises. Here's what I believe. True faith first reaches, then it releases, and then it rests. Don't you like that? Don't you like that? True faith first reaches. It reaches. It reaches to God. It reaches in prayer. True faith first reaches. But then if it's true faith, then it releases. And finally, 
it rests. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that there is a rest for the people of God. I believe that this is speaking both of an earthly rest and a heavenly rest. A rest for today, but also an eternal rest. Did you hear that this morning? Did you hear that there is a rest prepared for the people of God? Oh, we're living in a time of great unrest. It's a day of unrest, strife, and turmoil, and anxiety are literally off the charts. People are bickering and name-calling and pushing each other's buttons like crazy today. That should not be the case with the people of God. People of God are supposed to be people of faith, and true faith rests in God's promises. Pastor, I'm afraid. Why? God's promises fear not, for I am with you. Pastor, I'm anxious. I'm anxious about my finances. Why? God's promise is my God shall supply all of your need. He's going to do it according unto his riches and glory, and he's going to do it by Christ Jesus. Pastor, what, what if I contract the virus? I hope you don't. I pray for you daily that you won't. But if you do, you have his promises. Oh, I am the Lord that heals you, and by his stripes you are healed. We're talking about the explanation of faith. Faith is confident hope. Faith is reaching out to Jesus in prayer. Oh, then releasing our problems into his hands and then resting in his promises. Let's talk a little bit now about the expectation of faith. You know, God expects his people to be people of faith. I said God expects his people to be people of faith. Truth of the matter is we cannot be his people without faith. Think about this this morning. Faith or the lack of faith is what separates saints and sinners. Saints are just sinners who have faith. Some of you are thinking about that one. I said saints are just sinners who have faith. Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace, say grace. Grace. For by grace are you saved. What is the definition of grace? Unmerited favor. What kind of favor? What kind of favor? For by grace are you saved through through faith. Through what? Through works? Through good deeds? Through rule keeping? If If I dot all my I's and cross all my T's? For by grace are you saved through Through faith, saints are just sinners who have faith, sinners who have placed their faith in God's grace. We're talking about the expectation of faith right now. Hebrews 11 and 6, the writer says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone, the writer says, who comes to God must believe in him. God expects faith from his people. And a lack of faith 
gets rebuked. Several times in Scripture, Jesus rebuked people. He rebuked his own disciples. More than once. Read it. Usually the rebuke was over their lack of faith. Mark chapter 4, verse number 40, Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? Let me ask you this morning, if you were to be graded on your faith, what kind of grade would you make? What kind of grade, what, what, what kind of grade would you get a B minus? C plus? Are you failing? What kind of grade would you get? Without faith, these are scary times. Would you agree? I said, without faith, these are scary times. These are anxious times. These are depressing times. But we're supposed to be people of faith. Yes, the storm is raging. Yes, our boat is getting tossed about. Yes, the sky is dark. But we're not alone in the storm. We are not alone in the ship. Mark chapter 4, verses 37 and 38 says that a fierce storm came up. High winds were beating against their ship, and their boat was full of water. But notice what else it says. It says, and Jesus was in the boat with them. Yes, the storm is raging. Yes, the boat that we're in is getting tossed about today. Yes, the sky is dark. Perhaps it's never been darker in our lives than it is today. But Jesus is still in the boat with us. We're not alone in the storm. Let me remind you that we are people of faith, not people of fear. Do we use wisdom? Yes, Do we take precautions? Yes, but our peace and our protection doesn't come through man's wisdom, nor does it come through government protocol. Our peace and our protection comes through our faith in the Prince of Peace and our ultimate protector, Jesus Christ. How's your faith today? And where is your faith? Is your faith in Jesus today? I hope that it is. I believe it's going to take it if you're going to be an overcomer in times like these. Well, let's take a look at the third thing I want to talk about about faith this morning. I want to talk, and I call it the excitement of faith. The excitement of faith. In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, the story is recorded of the lame man who sat every single day at the gate of the temple and begged, and that's the way he made his living. That's the way he was able to eat, is that he sat there, he lay there on his mat day after day after day, begging for alms or begging for money from the people that would come into the temple. And if you read the story, you'll find that one day, Peter and John are on their way to pray, and they encounter this man. And in this story, it says that Peter said to this man, look on us. And verse number five says, so he gave him his attention. Notice, expecting, say expecting. He gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. This man got all excited about the future possibilities. See, no doubt this man had constantly been ignored. Most beggars are. And perhaps most people refuse to make eye contact with him Oh, when they would go into the temple. You know, kind of like we do at the stop sign when the beggar is there holding the sign. Do you make eye contact with him? Or her? <laughs> Only if you got some money in your hand, right? 
you guys aren't a lot of help this morning. Am I the only guy that keeps straight ahead? Huh? Right? Man, Peter and John, not only do they make eye contact with him, but they talk to him. (laughs) And Peter tells him, hey, man, look at us. Peter is saying to him, man, help is on the way. Help is on the way. And all the lame men was looking for some money that day, but he left there that day with something far better than money. He left there that day with a miracle. Let me ask you this morning, what are you excited about? What are you excited about? What are you expecting? Pastor, are we supposed to get excited in the middle of a pandemic? Why not? Why not? Has God changed? Is his power diminished by a pandemic? True faith produces excitement. See, see, faith recognizes the possibilities. Fear sees a problem. Faith sees a possibility. Fear focuses on all the obstacles. Faith looks beyond the obstacles and focuses on the finish line. Fear says we can't. Faith says we can. Now, once again, I'm not talking about being reckless. I'm not talking about being unwise. I'm not talking about being rebellious today. That's not what I'm talking about. But I do feel impressed in my spirit to remind us that we are people of faith. And faith, if it is legitimate, is expected. It it anticipates. It is confident hope. It recognizes the possibilities. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said anything, say anything. Anything is is possible if, say if. Jesus said anything is possible if a person believes. Let me ask you this morning, what are you believing for? What What are you believing for? What are you... Hoping for. Let me ask you this morning, have you stopped believing? Have you stopped hoping? Are you subconsciously thinking, you know, as soon as this pandemic is over, man, when this pandemic is over, I can do this, I can do that, I can try this, I can try that, I can believe for this, I can believe for that. I ask you this morning, why wait? Why Wait, oh, let me encourage you this morning. Feed your faith, not your fears. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Dream again. Dream again. Hope again. Believe again. Live again. I'm praying that dormant faith will be awakened today. Oh, I'm praying that doubting faith will become expectant faith. Oh, I'm I'm praying that dying faith will be resurrected today. And faith will produce excitement. Let's look at the fourth thing this morning I want to say about faith. I want to talk about the execution of faith. James chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, James says, faith without works is dead. You know what he's basically saying? <laughs> you can call it faith, but if, it's, if you don't have any works, you don't have any faith. It's dead. It, it, 
Might be faith, but it's dead faith. What good is dead faith? James 2, 17, 18, James writes, and he says, faith without works is dead. And then he goes on to say, he says, my faith will be shown by what I do. So faith requires action. Would you agree? See, people are quick to talk faith, but slow to walk it out. Because faith requires action. In John chapter 2, the Bible records Jesus turning the water, say water, into wine. Say wine. (laughs) And if you'll read the story, you'll see that Jesus gave specific instructions to them about what was to be done. If the water is going to be turned to wine, if they're going to have a miracle that day, they are going to have to follow the instructions that Jesus gives. And Jesus' mother had already told them, whatever he, Jesus, whatever he says to you to do, you make sure and do it. Because the only hope that we have of a miracle, the only hope that we have to save embarrassment today is if we do what the master says. And so Jesus began to bark out orders. He began to give instructions. Jesus said, hey, see those water pots right there? Fill the water pots. Can you imagine what must be going on in their mind? We don't want water. We got water. We want wine. Well, Mary said, fill them, so we're going to do what he said. So we're going to do it. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And so the servants took the water pots, and they filled the water pots with, with, with water. And after they had filled the water pots with water, nothing has happened. No, you know, no magic wand. No, you know, no magic word. Just they fill the water pots with water. And then Jesus says, now draw out of the water pots what you have put in the water pots, which is water. Pull and, and, and draw out of the water pots the water that you put in the water pots. And take it and offer it as wine. What you talk about, Willis? I know what's in those pots. I put it in there. It's water. We don't want water. We want wine. We got water. We don't have wine. We need wine. But when their faith took action, the water turned into wine. I don't know when you think that it happens, but it's my sermon, so leave it alone. I'll tell you how it happened. It, I don't believe that the water turned wine when they put the water in the water pots. I don't believe that the water turned into wine when they took a dipper and dipped out water out of the water pots. I don't think that the water was wine when they handed it to those that were going to drink it. But only after they handed it to those that were going to drink it, only then did the water turn into wine. Because it was going to take uncommon faith for them to get a miracle that day. In John chapter 11, this story is recorded about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. The Bible says that Lazarus had already been buried and in his tomb for four days. His body had already begun to decay. But Jesus says to them that day, roll away the stone. What are you talking about, Jesus? We put him in there. We know. He's dead. He's been there four days. By this time, he's decaying. By this time, his body has begun to stink. That's exactly what they said. 
Why would we want to roll away the stone? If you'd have just been here four days ago, he wouldn't be in there. Ever said anything like that to the Lord? Jesus said, roll away the stone. And Lazarus, you can read this, it's in the scripture, Jesus remain, or Lazarus remained dead until the people took action. Only after they took action and rolled away the stone, only then did Jesus command Lazarus to come back to life. Faith requires action. Almost 30 years ago now, my wife and I and my son and daughter, we left where we were pastoring in Oklahoma and we moved to Midland, Texas, a place we had never been to in our life. Sent there a direct command of the Lord to build a, to build a, uh, to plant a church in Midland, Texas. We obeyed the Lord. We'd been in the church, a rented facility, a rented building for about a, maybe a, a year or so at, and we began to, uh, uh, well, we bought some property. had already bought some property, and it was time to, for us to, to build our own building. And we were just a fledgling startup church. And the Lord laid the figure of $100,000 on my heart that we were to raise $100,000 to get us started in building that new building. And so I told the people that we are going to raise $100,000 in one Sunday. It's going to be called a miracle Sunday. Boy, that gets people excited. The only one excited is the preacher. And he's only excited because he's already had a chance to pray it through. And so I was praying one day, and I was praying to the Lord, and I asked the Lord to do the supernatural because I knew, I knew we called it Miracle Sunday. It was going to take a miracle that day for us to raise $100,000 in one service from that fledgling group of startup people. And not only did I know it, but all the people knew it. And people even said, there were some of the people in the church that said, preacher, it's crazy. Even one man came by the church, and I wasn't there, but he sat down with my secretary, and he had all the people that come to our church, and he tried to, he said, this, 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 this is crazy. He's, pastor says he's going to raise $100,000 in one Sunday from that. There's no way. I said to my secretary, it's called Miracle Sunday. And I asked the Lord, I asked the Lord to do the supernatural. When I asked the Lord to do the supernatural, I heard him say in my spirit, not audible, but in my spirit, I heard the Lord say to me, you don't need me to do the supernatural until all your natural is gone. See, we want God to do what we're not willing to do. And God said to me, you, you, you don't need the supernatural until the natural, as long as you have natural you don't need the supernatural. Only after the natural is all used up, then do you need me to do the supernatural. And so the Lord told me, he said, if you'll empty all of your natural, I'll do the super part. My wife and I had about $8,500 in savings and checking. That's 28 years ago. That's all we had to our name. That was everything. We put our faith into action, emptied our bank accounts on Miracle Sunday, and over $100,000 was given that Sunday because we emptied ourselves of the natural and the supernatural. 
took place. And don't feel sorry for me. God has given back to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over the last 28 years. You cannot be an indebter to, or in debt to God. We're talking about the execution of faith. True faith requires action. All right, let's look at the fifth and the final thing today, and that is the exaltation of faith. I think it's interesting that the only thing that Jesus marveled about, or at least is recorded in Scripture, that Jesus marveled about is faith. Matthew 8 and 10, Jesus marveled, and he said to his disciples, I have not found such great faith like this anywhere. I wonder what Jesus would say about our faith. Here's what I've learned, and that is active faith is rewarded. Active faith is rewarded. Hey, don't envy other people. It's so easy to envy other people. It's so easy to be jealous of other people. But don't be jealous or don't envy other people. Don't envy their position. Don't envy their privileges. Don't envy their possessions. Because you don't know the actions their faith required of them. Peter walked on the water. Wow, it's exciting. He walked on the water, but it required him stepping out of the security of the boat. The reason why some people do so much is because they're willing to step out of the security of the boat that they're in. And we want to rock alone, and we want to throw rocks at them, and we want to be envious of them, and we want to, we want to be jealous of them, not understanding the fact that we're sitting in the safety of the boat while they were willing to get up out of the safety and, and, and you know, all of that of the boat and get out there where nobody else was besides Jesus. Nobody else was willing to take that risk. But because Peter acted on his faith, he was able, oh, he was able to add water walker to his resume. Active faith is rewarded. In John chapter 9, verse number 11, the blind man said, Jesus put mud on my eyes, and he told me to go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. Can you imagine? What is he thinking? What is he thinking when he's wanting healing, when he's wanting to see, when he's wanting a miracle? And here is this man spitting in dirt and making a mud ball and putting it on his eyes. What in the world could be going on in his mind? Because he was willing to activate his faith. Instead of, you know, what are you doing here, man? And, you know, are you doing this to a blind man? No, no. No, he activated his faith and he went to the pool of Siloam and he washed the mud off of his eyes. And when he washed the water, or the mud out of his eyes, he began to see. Active faith is rewarded. And in John 2, verse number 10, because, of the servants act, because the servants activated their faith by filling the water pots with water and then offering the water as wine, verse number 10 says, it says, most people at a wedding offer the best first and after everyone has drank plenty, then they bring out the cheap stuff, but, cheap stuff, but not you. You have saved the best until last. Active faith is rewarded. And in John chapter 11, after the people put their faith into action by rolling away the stone in front of Lazarus' tomb, Jesus cupped his hands and he commanded, Lazarus, come forth. And verse 44 says that life came back into Lazarus' dead body and he walked out of the tomb. Hear me, friends, active faith 
is rewarded. Scripture records it, and I have personally experienced it many, many times. In times like these, we need uncommon faith. Faith that will see what others can't see. Faith that will say what others are not willing to say. And faith that will seize what others won't be allowed to seize. The takeaway for the message today is this. Uncommon faith has unlimited potential. Do you believe it this morning? Father, I thank you today. God, I have faith today because I have been given the measure of faith. Lord, even faith, we can't even boast about our faith because even our faith that we have has been given to us. Oh, the measure of faith. But thank you, Lord, that that we don't have to stop with the measure that we've been given, but we can grow our faith. Faith comes from hearing and from hearing the Word of God, and we can take the Word of God, and we can study the Word of God, and we can apply the Word of God. And faith can begin to grow in our hearts. Lord, through experiences, God. Lord, when we see you come on the scene for us, God, and work the miraculous for us, Lord, then our faith grows. And the next time it's something bigger. And the next time it's something bigger. And the next time it's something bigger. God, I would not have had the faith to believe for $100,000 in Midland, Texas, 28 years ago. If it hadn't been for the 20 years previous of that, when you grew my faith, experience after experience, word upon word, time spent in your presence. God, I pray for uncommon faith in times like these.